you're listening to County Live. It's another lockdown special with me over here, Martin Johnston. And me, Martin Johnston, over here in Hazel Grove, where it's surprisingly really nice. It's really sunny. Yeah, it's, it's been sunny and cold, hasn't it? Which isn't, isn't a great combination. But, uh, you know, you can still get your vitamin D. You can still go out and play out with the kids. You can. You can. Um, it's a bit of a crazy time at the moment. You, you you can go out, but you can't go out. Um, and, you know, we don't need to make any jokes. I think everybody's pretty much seen them all. But, um, yeah, it's, it's just a bit of a strange time. So, thankfully, you and I, Martin, are in the position where we can just keep making football content. Absolutely. Rich content on football. Uh, I was, I'll tell you what I was doing just before this. I, I'm working through every episode of The Simpsons on Disney+. Plus. Same! Oh, well, the same. What season are you <laughs> yeah. on? What season are you on? <laughs> season two. Oh, I'm on season five. It's an absolute... It's just banger after banger season five. It's Is so it? good because because I've got the kids, right, and they just want to watch TV and stuff. And, I, you know, it's a bit of a battle trying to keep them off screens all the time. And just... But I think, you know, if, if I can have one of my shows on where it ticks the cartoon box so they're kind of happy, oh, okay, we can do an episode. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. Well, you're in you're in dreamland so you have to sneak off on my own because nobody else really wants to watch it and and please don't tell me you're the kind of monster who skips through the intro on the simpsons oh no 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 i'm not a fan of the skip intro function on any streaming service um with the exception of um peep show on netflix which i'm also working through but i tend to watch it just before bed and my bedroom is next to the kids bedroom yeah fair enough quite a lot quite a loud intro so so yeah so skip that one but um no god i think no you don't deserve the simpsons if you skip the intro on exactly you'd miss finding you know seeing all the the faces when bart's on his skateboard you miss yeah sofa exactly you miss the sofa gag and you miss miss the chalkboard gag i mean what is wrong with you people yeah yeah no i'm I'm completely with you on this um and I'll, i'll fight the good fight for anyone who disagrees and talking of fighting the good fight, look at that. Do you see? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we planned it. Your interview this week is with Matty Mainwaring. Not Mannering, as I always read that because of Captain Mannering, but Matty Mainwaring. Um, and he's a, an interesting um, character for so many reasons. You know, A football career tragically sh- cut short, but you'd have to say he's done the most with his time ever since. Yeah, well, I mean... You, you... Football career cut short, but I mean, he, he played at championship level. So it's, it's, it, I mean, it's by no means a failure uh, of a football career. Um, when, when I spoke to Matty, I, I was interested in, in speaking to him because I've never, I'd never spoken to him properly before. I think in passing a few times, but never, never in the, in the broadcast sense. And, um, and obviously everyone knows I work in, in the boxing world, um, as much as I do in the football, um, passion for it and a love for it. And, to, to meet someone who's the same as me in that sense, in a, a real a real strong love for football and for boxing. Now, I know how hard it is to crack into those fields because I've tried and failed in both of those fields. So to meet someone who's rolled the dice in both, got to a very, very good level because, okay, di- did he rip up trees um, and win a world title at boxing level? No, of course he didn't. But just to, ha- just to step in between the ropes is a victory. So to in the boxing circuit it takes it takes real um 
can I say balls at this time of night? It you know <laughs> it takes it takes real confidence to step between the ropes, um, and he's done that after coming back from like you rightly say, Martin, a, a, a broken leg that curtailed a football career that if you ask any county fan who was around at that time they'll tell you he was on for really really good things and it was taken away from him and I've got to say I've got to say in this interview and it's my fault this because I didn't I didn't brief him before I didn't kind of say I'm going to really quiz you on this I put him on the spot a bit and I asked him to relive those emotions from you know when he was told his leg was broken and when he was sitting on the sidelines and watching the team and, and everything else. And he, he's really, really honest about it. it and um, listen, we've had, in the last few weeks, we've had players like Mike Flynn, Tony Dinning, Andy Priest, Sean Connolly, real Hall of Fame legends. Now, if you ask Matty, he'll hold his hands up and he, he won't put himself in that category. It's similar to when we have Rainsy at the Legends Night. Um, you know, would you put him down as a club Hall of Fame legend? No. If we're honest, you wouldn't. But is he a guy who's got a real story to tell from within Stockport County? Does he have a, his own little corner on, on the piece of fabric or co- you know, whatever your your analogy is of the club's history? He absolutely does. And he speaks so well about the ups and downs and the reality of being inside Stockport County at, at let's be honest, what was quite a turbulent time. Uh, well, there are legends and there are legends. And, you know, this guy's got a fantastic story to tell. And, you know, we've done this series because we want to entertain people. You know, we don't want to just trot out stuff about, as you say, you know, a, a hall of fame. We want to tell interesting stories. And as you say, this man was a, a championship footballer, a, you know, more than decent boxer. He's a model now. He's in Emmerdale. He's, um, and he's younger than me, <laughs> which is just crazy, which is crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it was a, it was a, it's been a real pleasure having him on, and um, uh, yeah, I think this will go down well. Well, yeah, you don't want to hear us two jabbering on in that case. Uh, let's put the interview in here. Matty Mainwaring, footballer, boxer, actor, model. Welcome to Stockport County Live, and a very good evening. Thank you for having me, Paul. Good to chat to you. <laughs> uh, it's a bit of a strange time at the moment. I'm I'm joining you from my front room. We can't get in the studio, and we certainly can't go to the ground at the moment. Uh, before we start getting into the the, the the history of yourself, if you like, in the game and uh, and outside of it, how are you finding all this lockdown business? Oh, it's not for me, Paul. It's really not. Um, I'm somebody who's very active normally, um, spinning three or four plates, always on the go. Um, gym every morning and then getting on with my day-to-day thing and it's just not for me I'm I'm coping purely by running doing more running than I've done for a long while um, and, and uh, you know I think I've done 165 miles I think I've lost so far in this in the 8 or 9 weeks wow. wow which to be honest mate it's, it sounds a lot but it's not actually as much as, I'm used to, as you, I was used to doing when I was fighting. Um, we're out on the road every night when we're boxing, so, you know, it's, it sounds a lot. Um, a little bit older now, try and take a bit more. Well, uh, I mean, I've, I've tried to keep up with this 4K, uh, 5K business, and, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm blowing. I'm <laughs> blowing it into that. <laughs> so to do over 160 miles, I think I think you deserve a little pat on the back there. But... Um, you, you mentioned there you were doing the running while you were boxing. Um, it's it's quite an, an interesting place to start, really. Even though it's not the beginning, 
and it's not the end. It's it's somewhere in the middle. But I, I mean, I guess the majority of county fans listening tonight, they they will know that you've gone into the venture of boxing. But I'm sure there are some out there that that maybe weren't aware. Just just talk to us a little bit about about your career after football. Yeah. So basically, um, I never had any amateur experience in boxing whatsoever growing up. But I always loved it, and I did hit the bags every opportunity I got but I never had any, any fights any white collar fights any amateur fights so you know it was I suppose it's just in me I, I don't really know why I'm not an aggressive person as you know I can probably count on one hand how many tackles I made in my football career <laughs> in seven years seven years old career so I'm not an aggressive but I, I you know I could box I knew I had something um, to what extent and to what degree I don't, I don't know but um, or I didn't know uh, but I knew I had a bit more than the next novice sort of thing and you know I did love it I did used to watch um, tapes of um, Mayweather great fights Tommy and Tyson yeah um, all, all these fighters Ray Leonard you know in my spare time and, and to be perfectly honest I preferred it to football I always have really um, it was like, yeah I, I mean it's a strange, strange one that because I've, I've since I came out of the womb I've kicked the ball that's all I've ever known is football but if I'm being honest it was like being married but having an affair I just loved it I think it. And, and it you know it wasn't aggr- aggression or anything like that it's just purely loving the art of boxing I, th- I think because obviously I've seen your fights uh, the, the ones that are online I, I know um, all about your, your training patterns and with Matthew Hatton who's someone I've worked with on a number of occasions and yeah I think just to give it a, a bit of perspective and a bit of context for those people out there listening who maybe boxing isn't as well known to you or uh, as it is to you or I you you went yeah. into the middleweight division now I often find that that's a that, that's one of the more dangerous divisions because when you go to the heavy lads all right they've got a lot of power but you can generally speaking they're not the quickest where if you go the lighter weights they're the other way around they're usually a lot quicker but you don't tend to see that big power whereas in the middle well you've got a bit of both yeah you know there's um, actually a light middleweight um and if the fights, obviously I retired two years ago, but if the fights were going to span longer, then um, and we get to sort of championship level, 10, 12 rounds, I would have been a 154-pound fighter. That was I was I wasn't big enough, believe it or not, for a middleweight. I was six foot two, so I was very tall, but I wasn't um, built big enough for a middleweight. I was, you know, I would have been quite comfortable at light middle. Um, but yeah, you are right. Um, the higher up you go, the harder you hit. And, and to be honest, you have this old, this general feeling that you know, you know, a good big and beats a good little, and, and it's very true. You know, and you realise that as soon as you start boxing or box at the level I boxed at as a pro, and you're in with good lads, good strong lads, even half a stone makes a difference. You know, you, I mm. spar with, spar regularly with. Uh, full-blown middleweights and super middleweights even light heavy sometimes even I even started a cruiserweight in my old stable mate Damien Chambers um, who's now you know yeah. central area champion doing really well as a pro um, and they do it hard they do so even even half a stone makes a difference Damien was nearly three stone heavier than me and every chance every time he hits you even if it's just on your gloves he's knocking you back a yard because they just carry so much mass so you know you are right in what you're saying the um He's one of those weight categories, you know, Golovkin, the likes of Golovkin and Canelo, they, they punch hard. Um, and they move. <laughs> they move quickly yeah. as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's how the footy comes into it, yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, it's funny you mentioned Damien. I mean, uh, we'll, we'll go into a, a bit more to the boxing a little bit later on, but Damien uh, and Matthew Hatton actually worked with the Stockport County team oh, probably yeah. six months ago um, yeah. when when the, the, the boxing tournaments were on the t- TV and um, there was a, a Stockport County fan in the ranks there. Um, I just I want to kind of circulate around the football conversation and how you then transition because you touched on it there, that's where the football comes in. Now, from from the fights that I saw uh, online, the, the fights that I've seen you participate in, you can tell that there's just something about your core, your engine, if you like, uh, that I think, would it be fair to say, has obviously come from football. You played football at a high level. Um, you played under managers, um, certainly at Stockport County, that are known for the, the fitness levels. And, of course, I'm referring in particular to Jim Gannon there. You've got that. You've got that engine, if you like. You've got that motor. Um, is that? Is, did, did you need that, if you like, to step into the to, to the world of boxing? And how important was it that you already had it from football? Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. Um, but being brutally honest, I thought I was fit, and everywhere I went in football, whether whether it be three or four years at Stockport, Hull City, Macclesfield, where I'm just doing the rounds, staying rich, I was always top top one two or three in the fitness test so I was always there and about that was one of my strengths I could run and, and Jim, Jim Gannon will back that up I can run and run I thought I was fit and when I transitioned to boxing I was nowhere near absolutely nowhere near I took a lot of beatings at the start and you know a lot of it was down to inexperience because I was a novice but I didn't have it in me to do the rounds and I had to build on that and the difference between the two sports um, is huge. The only thing that comes anywhere near it is pre-season. Um, and the reason is, if you consider that you're playing every Saturday during the season, sometimes two Saturdays, so some of your sessions are recovery sessions. Yeah. Um, in boxing, it's all for it's 10 weeks hard graft for one night. Um, and there's no feeling like being under pressure in a boxing ring it's, it's one-to-one you know you can find little spots on a pitch where you can nick a breather or I won't, I won't say hide but where you can be smart and think this I'm not involved here well, the, the, there's the old saying in, in football you can have a bad game and you can still win but if, if, but if you but if you have a bad night in the ring it's um, well you're probably yeah. not going to win and it, it could end quite badly for you exactly and it's not, I'll tell you now first time, there's no worse feeling than being um, being unequipped in there, not being fit enough. I remember the first time Matthew Hatton took me sparring properly. He'd, he'd watch me, sort of took me on trial, if you like. I had a couple of spars I did well with, with some amateur amateur lads. And he took me down to uh, a gym called Northside, which is near Man City Ground. It's a really decorated, rep- reputable gym. Yeah. I know Northside. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah, you'll know it. Only half good lads, uh, and he put me in bad. Um, who's now operating like every flash cruiser, but at the time we're about the same size. Um, and he did okay for the first couple of rounds, and then he just stepped his foot on the gas, and he absolutely just knocked me around in a circle. Um, he'd had about 35, 40 fights at the time. I'd had nothing, uh, and he just battered me in front of his girlfriend and in front of everybody else in the gym. Um, I took a bit of pride in saying that I've seen it out. You know, I didn't give up, but he just absolutely catered me. Uh, and, th- and that was my realisation then. You know, this is not football. Yeah. I, a little bit of me thought, what? 
what have I done? Am I not as good as I think I am? He's mad on it. Sort of, you know, say to me, you're not, you're not what I thought. And he's, I was in the car disappointed on the way home and he's, he's just said to me, what's the matter? And I said, well, just disappointed because I thought that's the end of it. You know, I've, I've been battered. I wasn't supposed yeah. to be battered. And he said, no, 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 don't be daft. He said, I brought you here. I knew you'd get a beating tonight. I brought you here to, um, to see what you made of, to be honest. You ticked the character box. You never gave up. You were giving him back. You didn't have much for him, you know. Yeah. He said, but you were giving him back. And you, and you tried, and I promise you, he said, it'll get easier. It'll get easier. This is what it's like. It's to wake you up to the pro game, you know. And it just, it did. It got easier. You know, the same lads that you're taking the beating from a year later, you go to these gyms and you start dishing them out. And yeah. That's how it is, really. How how did it compare? If you cast your mind back uh, as far as you need to, how did it compare? So so that's your entering that, that that's your entrance into boxing. How does it compare to your entrance into football? If you, if you go back to those days where you're trying to go on trials and you're trying to get you know certain talent scouts, if you like, to see you and impress them, and then you're you're trying to get into regionals and whatever else. Yeah. How how was that? How was that in in comparison to boxing? Uh, well. The way I got into t- two sports are very different. I, I, my dad loved football, um, so he had me kicking a ball from soon as I could walk, really. And from that, you know, it, it just went on. I played a little bit of Sunday League as a very young lad. I picked up by United, um, left United about five years later, then went to North End. And, uh, I got me scholarship and then my career went on. In boxing, it was a strange one. I did have this love for it. I did have this sort of attraction to it and my mind wandered to boxing every, every spare minute I was playing um, I was playing golf one day with my uncle and a couple of fellas who my uncle knew and my uncle showed them a video of me on the bag um, and that was it I didn't give it another thought and I think it was a day or two later the same fella got in touch with me out of the blue he says my uncle's shown me a video and I grew up with the Hattons and working with Matthew Hatton now, sort of assisting in his corner and helping him with his stable because Matt had not long retired before that yeah. uh, and turned into a trainer and manager. So he said, how would you feel about him having a look at you? So I was like, well, oh, it's Matthew Hatton. He's, <laughs> I watched, watched him on telly all his career, sort of thing. But yeah, I'd love to go down. So I went went down, wrapped up me on the pad. He said, I'll be brutally honest with you. Um, started asking me about my amateur background. I said, I've had no amateurs. Have you not had any amateurs? I said, no. Right, so you've got a lot of talent. He said, but, you know, if I'm being honest, I've seen this sort of thing before and then you get a lad in the ring and somebody hits him back and they go to pieces. So I want to see what you like when, when you're in that environment. So from then it just went on, really. Yeah. some sparring. It did well. And then put me in with a pro. It wasn't wasn't as, you know, as, as, as easy for me. It was a bit more difficult and still helped me own. And it just went on from there and decided to take me on. How how did uh, I just want to go back again just just to to kind of start the the the, the, the county journey if you like how did because yeah. you, you talk about the the days at United then moving on to Preston and the scholarship and everything else what was the first that you heard if you cast your mind back to those days what was the first that you heard of Stockport being interested? Um, so what it was I was coming to the end of my scholarship. Um, Paul Simpson I think was sacked. He was the first team manager as I was doing my YTS that. Preston. Um, Paul was sacked and left, and Alan Irvine came in not long after. Um, and it was about a couple, I think it was a couple of months ago, and he just let us all go. He let all the all the second years by two lads that were already on contracts. I think he let them go. 
So I was a free agent. Um, but whilst I was being, or should I say, after I got let go, I was told that Stockport wanted to take me on trial. Um, they're near the top of the second division. It, it, you know, the way they play all suited down to the ground, three midfield sort of football inside. They explained to me about Jim Gannon and the way he likes to do things. They said, we think it'll uh, suit you to a tee. So I went on trial there and um, I played in the trial match. And then from the trial match, there was 22 lads, 11 aside, and they'd taken two of us on um, to start training in the first team and playing in reserve games. I was one of them. There's another lad from Blackburn, but I forget his name. And then I played in two reserve games, uh, one against Bolton and one against City. And they, they pulled me in and offered me a contract after that. Wow. So what was your what was your first experience then of Jim? Because, I mean, you, you know, Jim's gone on to have three stints at County. At the moment, yeah. he's riding the crest of a wave, won the league last season, um, flying yeah. high in the playoffs in the division above this season um, until all this uh, lockdown and everything else began. So what, what were your impressions of Jim when you first started working with him? Straight away, I could I noticed his attention to detail. Um, they never had the biggest budget in the world at Stockport, and and Jim did fantastic. Really, they have a small budget, but they didn't have. You know, a lot of clubs with success now have um, yeah. lots and lots of money. They can they can almost buy the way to, to the top of the league. He did it on strategy, you know, managerial talent. Um, and just work. It was quite obvious he worked around the clock. Um, how he's still happily married, I'll never know. <laughs> because he, he just works and works and works. He's a workaholic. And, and a tactical genius at that as well. I'm sure everybody who plays under him will agree. Uh, and he, he didn't suffer fools either. I think he, um, I could quite quickly see that he, not, I wouldn't say his way or highway, but he, his way or highway, but he, he would he would have a, a specific way he liked to play and that was very much football-based, very much play the other team off the park. And if he wasn't grasping it, you'd be out and you'd bring the next lad in and that's how it works. I, uh, when I was researching and just making sure everything was on point for, for this interview, I was looking back at some old interviews with Jim about yourself and there's a piece on the BBC where he's speaking about um, Greg Tanzi, James Vincent and Matty Mainwaring and he's talking about this idea that he's got a real uh, they're all young lads but they're all extremely capable and he's talking about you three as a, as a trio and the, the strengths you have between you with an engine and a, a range of passing and uh, and a midfield general in, yeah. in James. Do you remember that time? Do you do you remember looking at those players? Because we'll, we'll obviously speak in, in a few moments about this big move to Hull City that has obviously been propelled by forming a, a real team and having you as a place in it. Yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. Um, it, it was it was probably the best best time of my career. The way the way I felt and the way I was. Uh, being nurtured as a young player at that time so it's hard to forget any of it and I do remember all the details basically we, we were the midfield midfield three as you said there in the reserves we were sort of three understudies to four or five strong players in the first team and they were the likes of um, Jason Taylor um, Stephen Gleeson Gary Dicker Don Blizzard Paul Turnbull you know they had, they had a good choice of lads yeah. real, real, real quality boys we were sort of trying to take a place off one of them, if you like, um, and the best way to do it would have been to keep putting inconsistent, good performances in the reserves. And at the time, he gradually just fed us in, um, starting with myself just after 
uh, Christmas, straight after Christmas. And usually for a football club, that's the time, if I'm not mistaken, where clubs can't bring in. I think something closes. I don't know if it's the loan window or the transfer window. And some clubs get down to the not the bare bones, but you know they don't have a lot of choice if they get yeah. injuries. Yeah. They have to draft a few kids in off the reserve, you know. And so that's what happened, and um, I just managed to keep in place and, and gradually the rest of the lads that you just mentioned started filtering in. In the end, towards the back end of that season, when we wasn't sort of going up but wasn't going down, um, he would play us as a three quite often. When when you look at those some of those names that you've just mentioned there, um, the likes of Don Blizzard, um, Stephen Gleeson, I mean, these, these players... They they weren't at county for years and years and years. You know when you when you look at some of the old boys and the legends on the Hall of Fame and everything, they they were there for yeah. ten years and everything else. There wasn't that, but they really etched their names. Obviously, with with that season and in particular with Stephen Cleason with that goal. What was it like being a uh, being a youngster well, playing you playing your craft with Jim there and those players there with you as well? So it's fantastic because what, the one common thing that most of them had in common was the young lads themselves, um, mid, uh, early to mid twenties, a lot of them. So you know that's the way Jim liked to do things. He liked to get in young, hungry players with talent. Um, I still, I still from time to time stick on tapes now of, of, of the old uh, ten years ago, twelve years ago, you know, eleven. And it was always the other day me and my dad were talking about Stephen Gleeson's goal. I think he's Wickham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that is a goal. That goal <laughs> it could hold its own at any standards, any standard on the planet. That I mean, uh, it's just unbelievable. He must have known there and then. I'm never going to score a goal better than this. Um, top top quality, and you know, it's like I say that he was great to be around these sort of these sort of lads who um, were week in week out making the headlines. You know, they, they were. They were, young, they were genuinely, generally speaking, younger than their opposition, but playing them off the pitch, home and away. And, and we had so many good memories of going to places like Leicester City and, and just dominating them, even if we only drew, you know, just dominating them off the pitch and, and making the headlines and sort of being recognised. Did you did you think there and then, and I don't think anybody would, would blame you for thinking this, that you were part of a, a team, part of a group, even if you weren't always in the first team, like you say, you had to play in the reserves and, and kind of earn your stripes, if you like. But did you get the impression that you were around fellow players of a similar age, of a similar quality, with a gaffer that he believes in you, you know, if you make a mistake, it's not the end of it. Did you believe there and then that you were on the right path and maybe this was the big break that every young footballer kind of aspires to? Yeah, 100%. And again, that, that brings me back to the manager that was uh, in place at the time. It, Jim, everybody knows that, that Jim, if, if you're doing the business, you know, if you're good enough, you're old enough, and he'll, he'll put you in, and that's exactly what he did. And then it's just a case of um, staying there. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, always had 100% belief in myself. The only thing me and the other lads at my age lacked was first team experience, mm. uh, and you can't. To catch twenty two, you can't get that without playing the first team. So, yeah, definitely. I just wanted to take a few moments to speak about another manager that you, you played under at County, uh, in Gary Ablett. Now, Gary, I, I have to say, I never, I never met Gary, I never spoke with Gary, but um, everybody that you speak to who who did meet him has nothing but the, the highest of praise and the highest words. It's fair to say it didn't completely work out, but there were a 
a few things that, that, that weren't going for him at County. Um, what was he like to, to play with? Gary, um, he's without a shadow of a doubt, one of the nicest men you could you could hope to have met. He's, um, he was an absolute gentleman. Um, obviously, had a fantastic career as a player, the dream career. Um, yeah. And as a manager, I, I, I worked with him for about four, maybe three, four weeks before I got my leg broke. Um, he was so, so supportive. I was out most of that season, as you know, with a yeah. broken leg, and he was so, so supportive, getting in touch personally all the time, um, reassuring me that they'll be ready when, when I'm ready, and, and you know, we'll, we'll be ready to pick things back up and as long as it takes, this sort of thing. Um, the, lads, the lads loved him, from what, from what I know. Um, a lot of my stuff at that time was away from the lads. I was with Roger Wilde working, yeah. basically, to get myself back up to where I was. Um, but from from my experience, he was he was, he was a star, he was an absolute star. Um, and like you say about about his time at Stockport, it, it's quite common. It was his first job, if, if I'm not mistaken. As as a yeah, he came from being an assistant. Is that right? Yes, yeah, it was. Yeah, he was uh, at one of the youth teams, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if he was at Ipswich with Roy Keane before that or something, or maybe he went to Ipswich after. But it was his first job, and I think. It's a big job, you know. It's it's a league one now. He's he's like the old championship, really. It's 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 the um, the high standards, really high standards. You know, you've got the likes of Leicester and Leeds dropping down Norwich. So it's, these are the, these are the, the stadiums and the, and the clubs you're up against. So it is a big job, and it's a it was a learning curve for him. Um, heartbreaking when he passed. I remember when um, I remember exactly where I was. Uh, when I was told I was, I was training in around Christmas time at, at Hull City and one of the management staff knew where I'd come from um, and said, you know, Gary's passed. And I'll never forget how I felt at that time. Um, just destroyed the rest of my day, destroyed the rest of my week. Um, but yeah, absolute gentleman. And, uh, very missed. Yeah, 100%. Um, you, you mentioned there, you went on to say, to talk about your leg break. That, that couldn't really have come. I mean, there's never a good time to have a leg break. Let's let, let's let's not be around that. But uh, to, no. to come at such an age when you get the impression you're just about to kind of motor into that first team and really, you know, kind of move the career to the next chapter, if you like. Um, yeah. Not not to invoke any hard fe- uh, hard feelings or, or or whatever. But what was what was no, it like? No. What what was it like for you when when? If I'm not mistaken, it's a pre-season friendly, Grimsby, yeah. and they, I mean pre-season friendlies are a, a glorified kick around. If we're on, you know, you know, I don't like to say it like that, but a lot of people see them like that. These things shouldn't yeah. happen in those kind of games. No, not at all. Um, I mean, I mean, in my head, I'm fully aware of where I was at, and you are you are spot on in what you're saying. Um, I just had 22 starts in the first team as an 18 year old in the first division picked up young player of the year and gone away with the Republic of Ireland 19 you know things couldn't have been better for me I was being looked at by a few bigger clubs at the time and um, it's one of them things it's life um, that's not to say I wasn't angry upset you know whatever you want to call it and I was I, I was it's, it's, it's more to do with the the injury itself doesn't so much I mean, it does cause you cause you problems. That's obvious. But it's more to do with your time out of the game. Yeah. The game. 
sort of half moves on without you, you know. Um, basically, to cut a long story short, it was a different set of circumstances when I returned as it was when it, when I broke my leg. You know, when I broke my leg, I was, like you said, I was off the back of a really good season, felt sharp, um, ready to take the, the bull daddy on and, and get on with that second season and you get your leg broke, you return 11 months later and things aren't the same, the, the club are in administration and you know, and so mentally it's a big challenge and me being me though, I'm not, I've always had that, since, since I can remember I've had that bounce back ability, I, I wasn't interested in giving up or anything like that, I, I knew, you know, Roger Wilder vouched for it, I used to go in and graft every day and, and just sort of aim to get back where I was, I actually remember winning the the bleak test the first pre-season back after breaking my leg so it gives you an idea of um, the hours I put in you know around the running track and getting myself back to normal but yeah not not the nicest um, and I did actually it sounds stupid this but I did cry quite a lot during my rehab because the boundaries you have to break um, to get back to where you was you know for example learning to walk again from scratch you know one of the first things that Roger uh, had me do when I came off crutches, I was on crutches, I think, 11 or 12 weeks or something. I got down to one crutch and then got rid of the, the crutch. And it, one of the first things he gave me to do was a lap of the field. Um, and I thought, no, there's no way. I can't walk that field, you know. And, and you just start... And to think that so many months ago, I was sprinting around at full fitness. And then you gradually start to break into a drug. You, you know, Roger asked me to sort of do a single leg jump onto the trampoline I said I can't do it in a million years I haven't got the strength in that leg and he said you can you can and he just convinced me to keep trying it and eventually you just break these little boundaries and I'm not going to lie there were quite a few times where you just sort of burst into tears and um, you know you, you just think that a, a, you know, a it's pain and B it's frustration yeah. and you're, seeing the lads, you're seeing the lads out there every week you want to be involved you think someone's robbed my dream and you know they're of kicking on and being the best I can be it's been taken away from me it's not my fault it's, it's a hard pill to swallow no it's um, it, it's something I, I appreciate you speaking so so openly about um, it's uh, it's it's so difficult but there's there's a story that um, that I always kind of think about when, when I, I hear about Roger Wilde treat, treating players with such an injury um, there was a, a player who played at, at County for a number of years very highly thought of uh, amongst the county faithful called Tom Bennett similar position yeah, to yourself played in the middle yeah. and, and obviously he broke his leg and um, sim similar to yourself you know a long time out he's, he's got to recover he's got to go through everything um, so Roger and I don't, I don't know if he if he brought this in with yourself uh, Roger tried to find a way to distract Tom from it as I understand right. it to, to kind of take his mind off it if you like so he encouraged him to learn the guitar right. and 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 he did actually. He told me. Yeah, just remembered. He did tell me. Well, now they, they, yeah. they, I don't know how active they are on the on the gigging scene, but um, yeah, I've I've been there where they've played gigs as a as a cover group called Fracture, <laughs> and they uh, and they, and they play these songs. <laughs> so so Roger, he always struck me like, don't get me wrong, you, I, I don't wish it on any player breaking the leg. I don't wish it on on anybody. But if you've got someone like Roger there. It just backs up yeah. the feeling that, that County are a club, like Gary Ablett said and like Jim Gannon said. They're there with you. They, they, are, they sit through it with you. They're a family. That, that's the one thing they are. It's a family. And I think in the little spell, um, sorry to cut you off there, in, in the little spell between 
the success they had last season and the success we had when I was there. A bit of that family disappeared, you know, in terms of things changing. Um, I'm sure people will agree that, he, you know, the, he never had that family feel. It turned into a, you know, everybody's um, race style trying to get back. And, and now it, it sounds like, and it appears like, it, the family feels back, you know. Yeah, 100%. And, um, they're, all, they're all pulling in the same direction. That's Obviously, that's going to have played a big part in last year's success. Yeah, that's, um, it's, it is amazing being around, being around the place at the moment. Um, so you, you then move on from County after the after the, the the recovery from the leg break. You, you move on to Hull City. What was that like? Because Hull, you know, they, they are a big club. They are a massive club. And to hear yeah. that, you know, you're going to be speaking with them. There's interest from them. Everything else. What? Just just talk us through that time. So I mean, I I, I like to say I was, I was broke my leg, recovered. Things weren't the same. Um, they were very different. The club was starting to free fall and then eventually went into free fall. Um, I'd, I'd signed a contract when we were high flying that had seen me there for two more years. And once they went down, um, and my contract still stood. And once they went down, I think my wages were at the time considerably more than sort of the next year's wage structure once they'd been relegated, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think to an extent he went against me. Um, I'd, I'd earned it, you know. I'd, I'd worked hard. I'd, I'd grafted and stuff, but um, it went against me. But the, at that time, um, I was being starting to be sort of forced to to leave. You know, give it up if you like. Um, and in the end, we struck a deal um, because I had one of those contracts where the more a place, the higher it went, the wage you it wasn't suited to where they were. Um, yeah, and things, a few things happened. You know, into it, and the oh, I was sort of trying to get squeezed, squeezed out, and free up that money and stuff. And um, time went by. Eventually, struck a deal, um, and I, uh, I ended up going to full training, uh, and they decided to take me on. Um, I can't remember the exact part of the season, but they give me, they give me a year's contract. Um, and whilst I was at Hull, uh, you, you get the shock of your life, you know, the the, the standard of the club and the, the facilities. You know, I was meeting, for the first six months, I was meeting somebody new, a new staff member, you know, that's what it was like. Yeah, yeah. You could sort of go in and uh, watch your, you play reserve game on a Wednesday, you could, you could go in Thursday morning and watch all your touches on the laptop, just your touches without watching the full game. Every touch you've had, every time you've been involved, and somebody would go over it with you like an animal, like a statistician or whatever you call them and an analyst um, and it was a, it was very really high up in, um, but I, was, I quickly found that the, the, I think the club I think the first team were first or second at the time Nigel Pearson was in charge really nice guy really good manager um, I wasn't in the first team at the time um, and he you know he was giving them he was giving them um, Monday off because they were winning every week so they play on a Saturday, they're off Sunday. Most of the time, have a, have Monday off as well. Train Tuesday, be off Wednesday, and then start preparing for Saturday again. And it was just working. Yeah. Just the lads were getting the right amount of rest, um, but it wasn't it wasn't really suited to the lads who were sort of fringe players. Um, so at that time, I needed to play football. I was I was more experienced than the other reserve lads. Not quite match sharp to break into the first team, or at least. You know, to uh, challenge for a spot. So, 
or somewhere in between, I was told. So um, my agent at the time sort of said, right, we need to get out on loan. We had a chat and um, ended up going back with, with Jim straight away, back to the county. How was that? Because I, I noticed, again, when I was reading the, the interviews and the articles of, of around that time, Jim was very complimentary of Hull City. He was delighted to have you back in the ranks. How was that for you? Was it was it a sense of I don't, I don't want to sound as cliche as saying going home, but what 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 did it feel like? It was it was that it definitely was. Um, it, uh, the first few games and sessions, um, not the first few games were different um, because I've been in the I've been high flying at Hull and I've been sort of. Um, you know, I'm training with 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 Man United loanies and you know real top draw mm. sort of Premiership quality players and you know no disrespect to the, the conference tough league you know it's like the old division too so tough league um, but it was different you know different surfaces uh, a lot more physical so it was eye opening again and then you get used to it then and you brought Paul Turnbull in we formed a good partnership back back as we were in the centre of the park and. Like you've just said, the nail on the head, it was just like being home. Um, played every game right at the end of the season. Um, and it was great to be back on the gym. And I felt at home. And I think the match, sort of getting those regular games and back-to-back successive games was just what I needed. Um, I did miss the training at home, not going to lie. Um, did feel at home, football-wise, playing at a higher level like that. Uh, seemed to cope better playing at high level although if I'm being brutally honest I'm not sure I had the physical attributes to play at that level but we'll never know yeah so you then move into the boxing world one question I have to ask you and I know we've already covered a lot of the boxing so we we won't completely go over that ground but you go and work with Matthew Hatton who I mean, even if you don't follow boxing, you know the name Hatton. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. it's that it's yeah. that kind of name. And um, and okay, Ricky gets the plaudits and Miley so maybe more so than than Matty. But Matty's esteemed career. You know what I mean? He's he's been in with the guy who is now considered probably the best in the world. He's certainly earned his stripes. Yep. What's it like compared to Jim Gannon, Matthew Hatton, Jim Gannon, side by side as coaches, as managers, as as leaders, whatever you want to call them? How did how do you compare those two? I think um, it's a tough one to answer. I think in the sense that the two very different sports. I think it was very much me and Matt and nobody else other than my stable mates and Matt's assistants. Whereas Jim had a job to do with the squad and the team. Yeah. Um, and to an extent, had a, had a boss to answer to himself, you know, with the board. Yeah. Uh, a boss, boss to impress uh, in terms of results and finances. So a bit different. Me and Matt were on the journey together and that was that was that um, what they do share um, they both demand 100% they both demand quality you know they, Matt would never allow um, for example if I was sparring um, it, if I was getting it too much he'd be the first to pull me on it um, he would always say it's all well and good landing some great shots some real top quality shots took a few too many punches you know and that's that was his attention to detail. That they were his standards that he set. So in, in that sense, they're both exactly the same. Um, but again, the one-to-one that you are that I had with Matt for three years as, as a professional boxer was uh, was very different to football. Um, he was with me six days a week for three years. He watched me take me beatings. 
he watched me stick out the beatings. Um, he watched me improve. He watched me have bad days. He watched me have good days. Um, and, and and Jim did as well. But Jim's was very much a you know a, a sort of a yeah. seeing a, a squad of players, if you like. So so where are we now in the career? Because I, I talked on at the beginning, um, and that, I, that, as much as I'd like to maybe joke around with these things. That that was all true. It is model. It is actor. It, is the sports side of your life now over, or are you? I mean, where are we at the moment? Yeah. So basically, what I did, um, I ended up having five professional fights. We just stepping back a little bit, just so I can explain. It sort of uh, help me, you know, help me realise why I've come to where I've come to. But I ended up having five professional fights. We and Matt had a chat at the very start. He said, because of your lack of amateur experience, we want you nice and busy. Um, fight every other month in an ideal world for the first two years. Six fights a year. Get, get, you, to, get you to 12 and all in an ideal world. You know, albeit no slip-ups. You'll be ready to move from the middle for your first title. Um, I've never really taken into account the fact that it is a very dangerous and physical sport and you are going to get injured. Um, I ended up having five fights in nearly three years with chunks of inactivity in between each fight and stop, start, stop, start, just purely down, again, down to bad luck. Um, burdened by injury. Um, saw me rotate a cuff about three times. Broke my nose a few times in sparring. Broke my uh, knuckle in sparring. Beat, you know, perforated eardrums, things like that. And it just sort of stop, start, stop, start. But when you've got no money coming in at the same time. Yeah. Boxing's a very poor sport, professional boxing, at the beginning. He did explain this to me. Um, but, you know, for me, age, I was on good money from borrowing and I had savings to put away and I just thought I'll, I'll sort of live on the savings and I'm funding me on the dream, if you like. You don't take into consideration I could get injured here quite a bit, you know. I think football's... You rolled the dice. Money. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I, I'm, a, I'm a person who likes a sure thing and I felt almost as if I'd put my whole future on red on the roulette table and just see what happens. That's what I love it, and I do still love it, and I do still prefer to football, if I'm being brutally honest. Uh, I was never 100% comfortable with the, 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 the sort of financial and uh, unstable gamble that I'd taken. Once I started getting injuries, I was thinking, I'll, this can't go on forever, you know, I'm, putting, I'm getting near 27, 28, and... Mm. Um, I, you know, if I get to 30 and I've only had a few more fights, I'm going to have nothing behind me. So what I decided to do, there was five or six other strong reasons where, you know, for me coming away from the sport. And it's not the sport. The sport is, I love the sport. It's the business side of it. You have to sell tickets. You have, you're like a salesman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're like a double glazing salesman. You've got to go around. It's almost like certified begging. You've got to flog tickets for the promoter. Um, the bigger the crowd you bring, the more interest people have in you as a fighter. Uh, yeah. That simple. So, which I, I did, I did win the tickets. You know, as an ex-footballer, people did want to come, and, but it's not nice going round giving people the money back five or six times over the course of a year. You know, and taking taking the money for tickets and giving them back, taking it and giving them back, and having to explain each time it, it's not nice. And that, amongst quite a few other things, um, at the end, I just thought, you know, I'm enjoying the sport, but I'm just not enjoying this this business side of it anymore. It's just not me. And, I decided to have a chat with Matt. We had him on the phone about an hour and I relayed all these different things. And, he, and he's, he's been there with me so he understood completely. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and at the time I came away from it temporarily I decided to do a degree um, started a degree in physiotherapy I'm still on that now four year degree um, never went back to the boxing um, but yeah I, I am um, I'm with a model agency I've been, been modeling for about seven or eight years now but it's gone more serious since I didn't I've not had the full commitments of sport you know yeah. same with the acting so um, I've got loads and I've got a little um, sports massage business um, that I set up about 18 months ago um, well not doing anything at the moment because we're in quarantine but that, yeah. that's that's what I've been doing yeah so I mean it's fair to say you're, you're a guy you to, to use your own phrase from earlier uh, in our conversation you're a guy who is completely grabbing this by the horns aren't you, you you're not letting injuries uh excuse the pun knock you knock you out <laughs> no absolutely not. um as i say if things may have been different had i not um i, I could almost handle the, the poor money situation in boxing if everything else would have gone smooth yeah. um if i would have got to 10 fights um in two years or or eight fights in two years i'd have still thought well on track here but you know a bit of panic sets in and you think I'm getting closer to 30 and uh, the bottom line is I just wasn't enjoying that thinking side of it anymore um, and, and Matt knows full well it, him and Rick used to explain to me that it, it, it was different when they were coming through Channel 5 had a lot of the fighting so if you were injured um, you could just jump on the next show on Channel 5 as soon as you're fit and ready well yeah. who knows if you're not with Eddie Earn or Frank Warren which was the goal yeah, yeah. As we'll start, if you're not with them, then you're classed as you're on the what's classed as small hall shows. So they're like the yeah the bowlers and the um, uh, the York halls and things. I mean, you know, York halls sometimes match room, but you get the picture. Um, if you're not with them, you're flogging tickets, and that's how it was. So no, it stuck it out and stuck it out and stuck it out. But it's it's not a well-paid profession until you hit the big time. It's sort of bottlenecks at the top, and you know that that drove me out of it really. Just, just finally, Max. I know we've we've well overstayed the, the, no, tw- the tw- twenty minutes or so that I, I offered no, you the other day. But um, I, I, I obviously should wrap things up on a Stockport County front. Um, yeah. Now, as Danny Bagara once said, it's it's not the biggest you know it's not the biggest house, but it, you want to see the size of a heart. Um, yeah. When you come back to County's ground, when you walk through that players' entrance, and for anyone who's listening and. Um, for anyone who's listening and has never been through those doors, when you walk through the, the players' entrance, there is a, a huge picture on the wall. Uh, Paul Turbel and Matty Mainwaring's there next to him. The, yeah. I mean, that's that. There's something about that that, for me, I don't know. It, it may. I, I I smile when I see that picture. So who yeah. knows what? What does the club mean to you as an individual? You as a person? The, the club. Um... In a nutshell, the club's my club. It's the first result I look for every weekend. It still is now to this day, and I've been at four or five clubs since then. Yeah, it's my club. Um, I had a little dream, sort of secret dream. I wanted to fight there. Um, I wanted to box there. Uh, never, never happened. It was supposed to at one point, but they couldn't get licence for drink without um, alcohol, without food or something. So it never went through. But I love the club with all my heart. Um, people ask who you support. You know, people you meet for the first time and. Me being a football lover, I'm, I'm a football fan. If I had to say, I'm, I'm technically a Man United fan, where I'm from, Salford. But if I had to say, I'm, I'm a Stockport guy. I follow Stockport County. Um, that's who I follow. That's who. That's who gets my vote every time. 
nobody was happier than me when when Stockport went up again last year. But it, for me, it's still only one step closer. It, it, they're not a, a non-league club. They're they're a, they're a sleeping giant in that division. Um, they're a solid League Two, League One club with the size of the ground and, like you say, the heart they've got, um, the family feel around the place. And you know what? I actually went. I went to the last time I was there. I went to um, my great friend Mary Jinx's birthday party, and um, I was looking at that picture. Um, it was against uh, Huddersfield, I think. Yeah. Got the one. Yeah. One all. Yeah. Uh, I got. I remember it. I, I had a decent game. I got man of the match in that game. Uh, but but again, that 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 was it. It was all those lads. Majority of those lads were uh, under twenty-five, I think. And we'd battled a big sort of industrial, in other yeah. yeah, and and you know, and to be honest, we were lucky not, uh, unlucky not to win it. You know that that was it, week in week out, always always coming up short with age, always um, giving as good as we got, and that that's what it was like. Um, great club, and and as I say, not there yet. You know, no, fantastic last year, but they're a football league club. That's what that's what we are. Football League club, and I'm very sure with the fan base we've got, best fans in the country, they they would always be there. Brighton, Torquay, wherever it was, they would always be there. Um, with the fan base we've got, and, and the love and the feel around the place, and and with with the gym in charge and the, the squad we've got, I've no doubt get back exactly where they deserve to be. Well, it's lovely words, Matt, and I'm sure every single Stockport County fan will welcome you back with open arms uh, whenever you want to come and catch a game. When this uh, quarantine is over... I wouldn't know what to do with the football. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe just sit in the stands with us. Matthew, it's it's been an absolute pleasure. No, great chatting to you, Paul. Fantastic. So, Chris, Matty Mainwaring, how many rounds do you reckon you could go with him? I'm going for, oh, I don't know, 0.5. <laughs> well, um, I think I think I can say, I think I can say fairly because we're on lockdown and I know that he can't get into my house at the moment. I think it's it's fair to say his skill is he moves around a lot. He's, he, you can tell if you watch his fights on YouTube, he's got this tremendous core level of fitness. So he's not a knockout artist. He didn't get any knockouts on his, but I think I think he's one of those where I think he'd play with me. If we were in the ring, I think I'd get through a few rounds, but not through not through my own skill or choice <laughs> in the matter. I, I think he'd just keep buzzing me. I think he'd touch me and move out the way before I knew what day it was. Um, he's, I think he's that level of fighter. And um, yeah, just just to hear him say that, speak honestly about about it. You know, he didn't have this amateur career that, that loads of boxers do because he was playing football. So he's got probably better fitness than most of them, but he didn't have the ring craft it's uh, it's just yeah that, that's my kind of interview yeah and I mean how many times have we seen you know footballers who are really really quick um, but they just don't have you know the match nows you know so it's, it's, yeah. that, it's oh, yeah. that kind of thing isn't it yeah, I mean, I like to think when I when I play five aside, I've got all the game nows. I have the match nows of a of an Edgar Davids or a Zinedine Zidane, but I don't have the fitness, the touch, the control. The but I can read the play really well. I think I'm that kind of player. <laughs> well, my my thing was I was always great in the air. You know, if I could like if I could like be on a wire like one of those wires where the camera comes across and just have to head the ball in some kind of future version of football. You know, like space football, I'd be fine. But, 
It said it said in our because we used to do a fanzine at the end of uh, and it, it said has the aerial dominance of a Lancaster, but the uh, <laughs> but the um, something like the uh, the on floor skills of a baby lamb. So I spent a lot, <laughs> spent a lot of time on the floor, but great with my head. So maybe me and you combined could be a, a good footballer. Yeah, you sit on my shoulders and we'll play. <laughs> there you go. And who have we got lined up for next week? Have Peter you got anyone Ward. lined up? Peter Ward. Oh. Peter Ward. Peter Ward is going to join us. In fact, I owe Peter an apology because um, I've been trying to find the time. We keep, we're like passing ships. We keep missing each other. Um, I realise that's the wrong analogy, but we do keep missing each other um, when I try and call him and he's he's got he's got work on and I've got stuff going on when he's available. So um, I do need to catch up with him this week, but it's one that I'm really looking forward to. Um, I know we said we were going to have him this week. Um yeah, he's he's a baller, isn't he? He's a we saw a, a glimpse of it at the Legends Night, and has, I think if we're honest, he could have spoken all night. Yeah, um, well, you won't so be able to shut him up. Him. We know that <laughs> makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking over each other there. You won't be able to shut him up, and he'll certainly have you in stitches. So I'm sure it will be another fantastic interview. So stay tuned. We really appreciate you sticking with us. You know, we're trying to keep this podcast going. As we always say, you know, we don't do it for money. We do it for the love of Stockport County and we're just trying to keep things going. So we appreciate you sticking with us. Chris, thanks. Have a good night, mate.